Let's turn to God's Word for, as I said, the first maybe of a series of messages, certainly this week and next week, where we will celebrate the Platinum Jubilee, and it's important that we do that. We do it because we do it out of honour, and we'll, we'll see that as we go on in God's Word. The Bible tells us to honour the King. Okay, and it also says that if we don't honour the king, we are what the Bible calls uh, Shana. Uh, we'll look at that, well, not right now, but we will look at it. And Shana is a Hebrew word, and it means somebody who has mutated into a rebel. And, you know, I don't know about you, but there's, there's no uh, encouragement in God's word, or there's no anointing in God to be rebels, to be needlessly rebelling against authority. That's what the devil does, and we're following Jesus, we're not following the devil. Amen? So, so we're going to look at some things. Um, why do we celebrate then the Jubilee? Because we look around, and we see a lot of things going on in our land, and we know we're not, we're not stupid. A lot of what's wrong out there is because it's wrong down there. I'm talking about in Westminster, I'm talking about along in Holyrood, a lot of the things that are wrong in Britain are, are because uh, our governments are not following this book. Amen? And because they're not listening to preachers, good preachers like me. Amen? They're not listening to men and women of God like maybe they did previously. They don't have counsel that is godly. Godly counsel is vital for governmental leaders. And maybe in times past they had it. But when you look at what's going on in uh, Scotland today, in England, across the British Isles, we see a lot of ungodliness. And a lot of it comes from our rulers. A lot of it comes from our leaders, our governmental leaders. So why then would we celebrate the Queen? Uh, well, because as I said, the Queen is not uh, somebody who is elected to lead or appointed to lead. She's actually anointed to lead by succession. I'm going to look at a little bit about that, uh, maybe introduce some concepts you've maybe been unaware of, although we have had uh, teaching here about it. Brother Davy, I believe, has brought uh, words about it, and why I have. And I'm going to get Brother Davy to come um, at some stage uh, pretty soon uh, to share with you, uh, you know, some truths that he preached recently uh, over in Park Church and other places. Um, about our monarchy and it's a biblical origin. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, something next Saturday, which is all about that. So we're going to look a little bit about the biblical origins. We're going to touch on some things. Um, we read Psalm 89 for a reason, and I'll just share what that reason is. There is um, a lot of teaching, a lot of evidence to that teaching um, that a royal family here in Britain, a queen, is actually, in fact, all our royal family, going way back, uh, are descended from King David, who's mentioned here in Psalm 89. Okay? Now, not necessarily everybody believes that, but even, although, even if you don't, you cannot deny that much of the biblical truth concerning monarchy is the foundation of our monarchy. Okay? So, our anointing ceremony... And who, who remembers when the Queen was crowned? Amen? Yeah. This is a long time ago now, 70 years. 
that, that, and that ceremony, you can watch it on YouTube, um, or if you remember it, uh, that ceremony was based on the biblical crowning of kings. Okay? Uh, and of course it's all very Christian. The queen is a covenanted leader. She covenants before God. She takes what we call a coronation oath to uphold the Christian faith, the Protestant, reformed Christian faith, and as all our uh, kings and queens have done for a while. So even if you don't believe that a royal house is descended from uh, the Davidic dynasty, the royal family does, they have the charts for it all, and you can get those charts um, that are available. I think we have got some in here. But you can't deny that there is a covenantal basis and foundation for our British monarchy. And of course that monarchy has roots in, in Scotland's monarchy and also going back into Ireland, way back. Okay, it's quite ironic that many of the people from Ireland, the Republicans who oppose the Queen and, and the, the monarchy, is that you can actually trace the roots of the monarchy back to Ireland. And we, we, we might touch on some of that. We don't have time to do it all, because I don't really want to go into all that stuff. Um, and on this occasion, we'll leave that to Davy and maybe touch on other things. I want us to look more importantly at why we would celebrate the Jubilee and why, we pray, why do we pray for the Queen every week? Okay, well, let's touch that one first, okay? If you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, you'll see... Paul is writing to Timothy, and I've maybe shared this with you, but I will do so now. And this is something that's vital to know. Paul, we, we read the epistle of Paul to the Romans, and you know, Romans is one of the most famous books of the Bible, and one of the most preached books of the Bible. And we all know there was a church in Rome. Not the church of Rome, but there was a church in Rome. Okay, and that church in Rome, what a lot of people don't understand or realise or not aware of, is that the church met in a place called the Palatium Britannicum. A big massive house. And it was a palace. And that's where the church in Rome met. Now the church in the Palatium Britannicum, when you translate that to English, means the palace of the Britons. Okay, and everybody in Rome knew that the Palatium Britannicum housed royal, the royal family of Britain. Of course, back then in Paul's day, there weren't just there wasn't just one royal house, um, but there were there were many royal uh, tribes, if you like, um, that all had kings. Okay, so the, so England uh, and a bit like Scotland, they had regions that were ruled over by kings. There were maybe no really any better than uh, chieftains, if you like, of tribes. But they were called kings and they had a royal pedigree and so on. And of course, back then there was a great uh, war going on between these kings, um, some of them, and Rome. And of course, we all know about the story of Boadicea and all these things. It's all tied together. But the Silurian dynasties, the Silurian clans, and there was a few kings among them, they were the ones that fought Rome. And when they lost, and it was, it was very typical of the time, that when a, a king or a ruler of, of a tribe or, or a nation or a, a land 
If they lost to Rome, Rome would parade them through the streets and execute them. And they did parade the British uh, Silurian kings through Rome, but they didn't execute them. They kept them in the Palatium Britannicum, really as, in a sense as a kind of hostage. But because of the bravery and the wisdom and the fighting skills of these Silurian kings, British royal kings, if you want to put it that way, the Romans admired them so much, uh, and they actually feted them, they honoured them, and they stayed in the Palatium Britannicum, and, here's, and some of them married into uh, Roman aristocracy. Uh, I think one of the emperor's daughters um, married, uh, sorry, one of the, the, the Silurian king's daughters married into uh, the Roman uh, aristocracy, and others, there was a few marriages. And these Roman, sorry, these British kings, these Silurian kings that lived in the Palatium Britannicum were Christians. Some of them became Christians, some of them were already Christians when they were held captive, uh, taken captive. And so the Palatium Britannicum was, if you like, the Gangad Church of its day. Because that's where in Rome, if you were a Christian, not saying it was the only place, but it was the main place they went to worship them. When Paul wrote to the Romans, he was writing to those folks. I'm not saying they were all, everybody in the church was a royal, I'm sure servants and other people, but Paul was intimate with, in fact, his brother, Rufus Putins, married one of these uh, uh, the princesses. So Paul was intimately engaged with, connected with, uh, related to, Kings and royalty. Okay, and that's, that's if you go and study it out, you'll see that that's, there are a plethora of documents back in now. Okay, and we've got books here about it. Why is that important? Well, it's important when we see what Paul says here to Timothy. And in fact, one of those uh, royal couples, they had a son and they, called, they named him after Timothy, it's believed. Okay, but this Timothy, Paul was writing to Timothy, and here's what he says, and this is the basis of why we pray for the Queen every week, we pray for our nation every week. I exhort therefore that first of all, which means the priority, the priority in prayer, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, when we pray on a Lord's Day morning, we pray for, we often pray, I pray, I've heard uh, Sister Pearl praying it, that the Spirit of God be poured out on all flesh. Because all men means all people. It's not just men, it's not just, well, the men are, you know, we'll pray for the men, the ladies can fend for themselves. It, it means all people. And so we pray for all people. Yes, even the scumbags in the bars. Amen of which there are many, sadly. But you know, folks, you and I were once that until we came to know the Lord. Amen? You and I were once wretches, and it took amazing grace to save wretches like you and me. Amen? So praise God. It's, it's not that we're judging folks, and we're, we're simply telling the truth here that we pray for all men, and we do it every Sunday morning. Then he says for kings and for all that are in authority. Why is he, why is he singling out kings? And here's, here's why. Because it's a biblical truth. 
And it's a historical truth too. Because kings and rulers and prime ministers and first ministers and council leaders, we would call them the gatekeepers of society, wouldn't we? And I was sharing this other night in Bible college. It's so important. It's a, it's a mission strategy that's used. It's sadly not used as much as it should be, but it's a Bible strategy. Jesus taught it. That when you go to evangelize an area, you actually should seek out that area's political or governmental rulers. Jesus called them the good men, and in the Greek it's oikidespotes, which means the, the leaders, the heads. Okay? Why would you do that? And, and somebody asked the question, well, you know, what, what do you still pray for? As he called them, monsters, like, you know, Saddam Hussein and so on. Well, they're the very people that we, we should be praying for, because if you have favour with a leader or a ruler in a region, whether it's you know, some nutcase or just an ordinary elected official. If you have favour with them, they will allow you into the country and to evangelise their people. Amen? Do you remember when Britain, you could go, Mr Lawson, on the streets with your megaphone and your, your box and your tracks, preach the gospel and nobody would hinder you. You might get a few hecklers. Amen? I, I, I've had that. When I, used to, when I, I cut my teeth preaching and street preaching. And it's such a, a blessing to do that. And you sometimes get the odd person. But not a lot. And you certainly wouldn't get any hassle from the police. But you, get, you and I get today, we'll have a, a meeting down in Royston Road. And if we don't get stoned first, the blue lights, amen, what are you doing? Breach of the peace. Get, get uh, charged for a preacher, yeah? Why? Because governments in Britain and Scotland have changed and they're now more hostile to the gospel. Now you say it's not that bad. There are, there are countries you could get stoned by the government or, or whatever. But the, what I'm trying to say to you is as we pray for kings and all that are in authority that they would be open to the things of God. They would be open to hearing from God they would be open to having Christian leaders and ordinary Christians speak to them and they would listen. And if you say to them, you know, the Bible is the handbook for governments. Well, you know, a lot of them, that are, a lot of them start out sincere. I'm not saying they're all self-seekers and, and so on. A lot of them turn out that way, don't they? Because the money and the fame and the power and all that. But many people go into politics with the desire to change society to, for, for good. But they get compromised by the system. Well, that's why we pray. We pray that we will have righteous government, godly order in the land. And he says here, if you pray for kings and all that are in authority, we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Well, I remember back far enough to know that there was a lot more peace, a lot more honesty, a lot more godliness, a lot more quietness in times past. Amen? Some of you are older than me, and you remember back even further. And, you know, we all talk about the good old days. And the good old days, they weren't perfect. By any stretch. But they were better than they are just now. In many ways. 
And so we have to, we're not, you know, Lord, take us back to the good old days. No, what we're praying is that God would bring his kingdom to, to Scotland. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let me just say this, far less of God's word is being done in Scotland today than it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Even though it wasn't perfect back then, it was far better. I remember, it just talk about atmospheres, talk about, you know, you didn't, I mean, get to Glasgow city centre today. You know, it's always been a rough, tough place, Glasgow, we know that. But there's a menace, there's a darkness, there's something sinister that wasn't there before. Or not nearly as bad before. I was uh, sharing a couple of things, uh, statistics that I had read, and one of them was they did a study of um, different regions of the UK. And in those regions, what they were looking for was the percentage of the population uh, that didn't believe in God, that self-identified as atheist or said, I don't believe there's a God, I'm not religious, I'm an atheist. And they did it all these different regions of the British Isles. Well, I'm going to leave you to guess what came out top. Scotland. Over 50% of the people of Scotland are atheists, they say. They don't believe in God. And so what that tells me biblically is that there are more fools in Scotland than anywhere else. Because the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. So to change these scenarios, this situation, to change these awful statistics uh, and so many other things, uh, I did share another statistic yesterday, I don't remember, if it comes to me I'll share it. That's why we pray. That's why you could argue that even more important in some respects than my fabulous preaching is the prayer that happens before it. Because that's when we engage in business with God to change things in our land. And then it says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. In other words, praying for leaders, praying for kings and rulers, praying for Queen Elizabeth II, is vital not because, oh, we're, you know, we're all loyalists, royalists, monarchists, unionists, all that. You may be all those things, and it's good to be them. But we, we do it because we're being obedient to the voice of God. And because it's necessary. Now, I, I thank God, I really do, because you know, I, 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 uh, I'm a, I love America. Okay? Uh, and um, if, if under other circumstances, I'd move to America right now. Okay? But, and you can do this as an American. You can be, you, well, I'm going to follow this principle here and pray for my president. Well, right now, you'd be praying for Sleepy Joe, and he sure, sure needs it. Amen? He needs prayer to know who he is. Amen? Uh, and, and I'm being, you know, facetious in a way, but what I'm saying to you is, is that you can still do these things in other nations if you don't have a king or a queen. You can pray for your president, your whatever it is, okay? Prime Minister. But we're blessed in Britain. We're blessed in Scotland 
because we do have a monarchy. And so we can be we can be really accurate biblically. We pray for kings and for all that are in authority. And, and you know, the queen is not a, the sole ruler. She has ministers, you know, and we sometimes forget the word prime, sorry, minister and prime minister and minister of defence and all these things and first minister. The word minister actually means a servant. It, it's really, in a sense, a, a sort of religious term. You know, we have ministers, don't we, in church. And it means servant. It doesn't mean master. It doesn't mean ruler. I don't like referring to people like Boris Johnson and Nicola Sturgeon and all these characters as our rulers because they're not. Number one, and what did we, what did we have during the Covenant times? What was the great struggle? What was the battle? What was the fight? What was the warfare that went on in Covenant times? And I'll say it again, I'll never apologise for saying it. That street up there, James Nesbitt Street, was named after a man who went to church. That was his crime. Wasn't a preacher, wasn't a leader, wasn't a pastor. He was just a guy who went to church and he was hanged for it. And why did he deem going to those meetings as worth laying his life down for? Because he stood for the covenanting rule and principle that Jesus is Lord of Scotland and that kings and queens, our kings, our queens, our royal family must bow the knee to him. Amen. And that's, that's the great truth, folks. So it's wonderful to have a monarchy, but of course, since the glorious revolution of 1688, uh, monarchs have had to bow the knee to Jesus and to acknowledge that there's a higher throne, a higher judge, as we say, a higher authority. And if these things are not the bedrock and foundation of our national life, then folks, we're in a sorry state. And sadly, in practice, they're not. Those institutions are still there. When Charles um, or William becomes king, they will be expected to take the coronation oath, but I wouldn't be surprised if they try and modify it um, and, you know, water it down. But we can pray that it won't happen because we need that foundation of Christ, the Word of God, a reformed faith, all of these things as the very foundation of our national existence and life and society. It's the kingdom of God, in other words, rather than um, uh, humanist uh, and globalist ideals. It's good and acceptable that we pray then. And it says, the sight of God our Saviour, who will of all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. Now what that tells me is these prayers that we pray and our support of the monarchy by praying for it are what God requires to bring about an atmosphere where revival can come. Uh, we'll look at it, we'll run out of time, we might go into it next week. The importance of it and why we don't rebel. Now, is our monarchy perfect? No. Is our royal family perfect? No. Absolutely not. But our support is not necessarily so much the people as it is the throne itself, the institution. Amen? It, you know, and, and I'll say this, and I know folks, some of you do know them too, their response to what's wrong with our government, and we all acknowledge it, 
is not prayer, but we'll, we'll just overthrow them. They're all wicked, they're all wrong, so we'll just do away with them. I know Christians that think like that. Folks, that's not that's rebellion, that's not that's lawlessness. Okay? Our prayers are that we would change these institutions, change what's going on, change our laws if need be. You know, a lot of the laws that are now uh, law now were actually illegal when when we were younger. Amen. So a lot of a lot of it has really switched and done a hundred and eighty degree turn. That things that were now well, sorry once deemed unlawful and illegal are now deemed to are now enshrined by law and protected by law. So anyway, it's so important. So I'm giving you a little bit, bit of background on what's going on, and I'll, I'll just we'll close with this. But I just want to mention this. Um, just talking about that biblical origins of our throne. A couple of things to mention about that are that the, the line rampant, the uh, rampant line, the red line, is of course, uh, according to many scholars, it's the royal flag of Scotland, it's, it's the, the monarch's flag in Scotland, but it is a well-known Judahite emblem, okay, from the tribe of Judah, of which King David was of course descended. The saltire, the X-shaped cross, is the Greek uh, the first letter of the name Christ in Greek, the letter Chi or Ki. Uh, so both our flags in Scotland are signs and symbols of the Lord Jesus as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And of course with the Stone of Destiny, all these wonderful things. Judahite emblems, Judahite motifs, even the, the red hand, which we, well, of course it's an Irish thing. Uh, it's an ancient Irish thing. It's not for just for, you know, uh, paramilitary groups but it's not just Irish it's also Scottish, many of the Irish clans, uh, many of the Scottish clans should I say have a raised right hand in their heraldry so we've all these Judite and Israelite symbols in our national uh, backstory and our heraldic roots it's, it's a glorious study One, there, there's plenty you can do it on the internet we've got books on it if you need it so just so important. But I want to close with this. Um, because this this was King David, okay? And we're talking about if our if our royal house is descended from David, then it'd be important to see what David said about monarchy. And if a royal house wasn't descended from David, it would still be important. Because David is the man that God covenanted with, isn't he? We just read in Psalm 8 and David read. So what did David have to say about being a king? about leading men. Here's what he said. King David lay dying, and he had been through many battles and endured many afflictions in his amazing life. And he had all, sometimes messed up badly, and he'd sometimes been on the run and all kinds of things. He was a deeply spiritual man, as we know, because he wrote all these wonderful psalms and so on. So much so that God had declared him a man after his own heart. That, you'll find that in Acts chapter 13. He'd also shown a more flawed side to his character. We know that. He had a man killed so that he could marry his wife. I mean, that's quite a horrible thing to... But nonetheless, God had, in David's lifetime, and we read it from Brother David there, established his throne and made the united Israel that he reigned over the most feared nation on earth. Now, what I want us to look at, we'll close with this. The last 
recorded words of David are in 2 Samuel chapter 23. Now these be the last words of David. David the son of Jesse said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. David summed up being a king, being a ruler, by saying, he that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And folks, that's what we need to pray for our queen. That's what we need to pray for our national leaders. That they be just. Just simply means that they, they, are, they are true and right. They're not scoundrels. They're not scallies. They're not liars. They're not hypocrites. They, they don't deceive parliament. And all that stuff, they don't lie. They don't pretend, oh, I can't remember that. Uh, no recollection of that. They're just ruling in the fear of God. And that's what we should be praying, not just on a Sunday morning, but every day. We pray that, for, that we would have leaders and rulers and ministers like that, and our queen and our monarchs be like that. Because here's the principle. If you get the head right, the body will fall. If we get our leaders right, then the nation will fall. It's a biblical principle. We'll maybe look at it more. But you know, if you go to the toilet after the service, you don't leave your head lying on the, the, the chair while you go, you know, to do your business. What your head decides to go and your body follows. And nations work exactly the same. If our national rulers turn to God, believe you me, it has a knock-on effect. And the people will also do the same. That's why in the last war, our king called for days of prayer. And the people went to churches and prayed. Wouldn't it be great if we got a special announcement from our queen for the jubilee and calling the whole nation to prayer? That's what we're looking for. That's what we need, something like that. So the Lord bless you folks, uh, and uh, we'll pick this up again next week. Amen.